Fathers of Podcasting. Now, in case y'all didn't know, they've been podcasting since before podcasting was even called podcasting. Archives of this show are available on every major podcast provider, and you can find video archives, merch, and more on their website, godfathersofpodcasting.com. Now, here are your hosts, two guys who have been broadcasting online since 1996, the godfathers of podcasting themselves, Donnie Silva and Chris Tidwell. Hello, hello, hello. It is Thursday, February 22nd. I'm Donnie. Y'all know that, right? Unless it's your first time tuning in, in which case, hi, I'm Donnie. And the man next to me is my brother who don't talk to my mother. We go together like jail and cops, like high school and jocks, like karate and chops. That's Notorious TID, Chris Tidwell. What up, Tid? Um, jail and cops? Yeah. Hmm. All right. All right. I mean, Did you ever watch like you're show? not familiar with both. Well, I was just going to say, did you ever watch the show? Were you a heavy watcher of the show Cops? You mean like Bad Boys, Bad Boys? Yeah. Yeah, when it was of on. Of course. I knew a couple of the guys that were on there, actually. <laughs> sure you did. The felons, no, not no. the cops. No, no, the cops. Because you got to remember, <laughs> yeah, sure. my uncle my uncle was a Vegas cop, right? Uh-huh. So I did actually know some of those some of those Vegas episodes. It was kind of funny. But was your yeah, uncle I might have known some you- of the other guys. Was your uncle the one that told you to leave Vegas and not come back? No, that was a judge. <laughs> that was an actual judge who was like, yo, it'd probably be in y'all's best interest to get the hell up out of my city. I was like, all right. Uh, how's your week been, my man? Busier than a three-packer billy goat. I'll tell you that much. Um, you know, <laughs> how about you? I mean, it's it's been crazy what's going on out there right now, right? Like, you've got You've got guys that were, I mean, I want to get into this later. You got guys like Donald Trump is coming out with his own shoe line. You heard about this craziness, right? Um, um, uh, Madam Web, Madam Web, this movie, is that a DC or a Marvel thing? Marvel, but it's dog shit. This is what I'm saying. Like the lowest rating of any Marvel movie ever. Right. It's not Marvel studios. So, I mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it's, the, it's and, the, and the biggest thing of them all is that apparently the rock is a freaking heel now. The world <laughs> is upside down, Donnie. I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Hopefully we can get we into can all talk- of this stuff with our guests later. And we will. Uh I want to mention very quickly. Yeah. Here's my big uh here's my big news for the week. Can I just say before you get into that? Please. Beard is looking luscious. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, I know you, this is actually, I think the longest I have ever managed to grow my beard without trimming because the itch was driving me bananas. And that's thanks to the beard oil from baronialbeard.com. Listen, I'm not even playing a few weeks ago when baronial offered us the opportunity to work with them. And I said, yeah, sure, man, we'll plug your products. I was like, yeah, man, it's cool product smells nice, whatever. Now I'm actually a true believer. Like I'm by the time I get to this stage, Ted, I'm always reaching for the clipper. Like mm, I gotta take it down just a little bit. I gotta take it now. I'm just like fuck it. I'm just gonna grow this shit out. I'm gonna get that thing down to Tid levels, man. It's coming. All right, all right. I can't it's wait to coming. see that. I can't wait to see that. Then you can get it long enough and bushy enough that you could come it up over your face and cover it with your hat. 
put on some glasses, look like Cousin It, the world would be a better place. Uh, you'd love that. Uh, go to baronialbeard.com. You can get their beard balms. You can get their beard butters. Yeah. You can get their beard oils. They've got soaps. They've got all sorts of products. None of their stuff is greasy, oily, natural ingredients. It's top of the line stuff. Go to baronialbeard.com. I can't Ooh. wait to see what you look like with a full, like a full Grizzly Adams beard. Just gonna, it's just gonna be like marvelous and. Elegant. Will you? Will you like? Will you like get a specific brush for it too that you only use on your beard? I already got one. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. That a boy called it. Called it. <laughs> Asshole, you've known me for almost thirty years. You know, whenever I'm doing something, if there's an accessory I can buy on Amazon, I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> It's amazing. That is simply like, amazing. Yeah, it's a little silicone brush, and you just uh -huh. you exfoliate your shit. You know what I'm saying? You got to keep it keep it looking all right. All right, all right. <laughs> Tremendous. This guy putting me on blast. <laughs> putting my putting my self care routine on blast. <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's shift gears real quick. Let's do this. Because we have our guest sitting backstage, ladies and gentlemen, it is time right now for the big hello. This man, he burst onto the Canadian music scene in the mid-90s and quickly became a pivotal artist recognized for his smooth flow, compelling lyricism, and ability to blend that traditional New York sound with pure Toronto vibes. His debut album, Ice Cold, dropped in 99 and became an instant thread in the tapestry of Canadian hip-hop. Since Ice Cold, he's dropped a bunch of albums and a ton of singles, and along the way, he's won a couple Junos, and he's been nominated for a bunch more. Of course, everyone will forever associate him with the Canadian hip-hop anthem, where he collabed with Rascal's Checkmate, Cardinal, and Thrust, and he was coming down with the Northern Touch, baby! And I've told this story before on the show, when I was in high school dating a girl that went to JP2, and she was telling me that this man was shooting his shot, I was like, oh damn, we have the same taste. Folks, I may not have the talent of Rodala, DJ Supreme, Casey Thomas, YOK, Black Hat, Daniel, or this man, but I am officially asking and auditioning to be considered as the eighth Deadly Venom. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> he watched Raw with Dan, and you know he saw Flair. Maybe back in the day it was B. Brian Blair, but now chill and get ready for this man to share. He's got talent and bars. Them skills are rare. You could try come test, but don't you dare. If you want to battle him, you don't have a prayer. Sit your ass down, boy. Take a damn chair. Everybody knows from here to Times Square. His sound infect your brain like fucking spyware. Let's ride. Had me bopping since time, I swear. Give it up to the night. The chiz rocker, this is Shaclair. <laughs> hey, that was dope. <laughs> hey, what's up, y'all? How you guys doing? No, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that, that's for sure. <laughs> Nobody hey, does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was real cool. That was cool. How you guys doing, man? It's been a minute since I've talked to you guys last. Yes, man. <laughs> it's been a minute yeah like episode nine was the last time you were on like three years ago or something like that four almost four years ago oh, yeah. and we're at 170 right now so holy <laughs> yeah dude we just keep piling them up you know yeah that's dope man that's dope it's really good it's great to be back on great to be back on all right so listen you're a professional i'm a hack i'll take your critique 
with those with those terrible bars I just dropped, how far away am I from being the eighth deadly venom? Well, you know what? Maybe the maybe the um, you know like they have the guy that comes out right before Johnny Carson. That's <laughs> like, a warm up. <laughs> you know, I'll, just... I'll do it. The guy that oh, so what you're saying? You're about Donnie. I'll I'll work it out for you. Out of the eight, you're like um, you're caller number twenty three. <laughs> if you'd like to push a button, uh, they'll get back to you if you don't want to wait on hold. How about yeah, that? Yeah. You get, you'll get your call back. Just don't wait on the phone. <laughs> the joke of it is earlier today, I was talking with our bro, Danny O, and I said, hey, man, we got shocks coming on the show tonight. You've known the guy forever and ever. You got any sort of like inside stuff I can throw at him that'll catch him off guard? And he goes, yeah, tons, but nothing you can say publicly. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, actually, you could drop on him the seven deadly venoms because I don't think that name of that crew ever went public. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, it kind of just stayed among us because, yeah, when we went on the Beat Factory tour with uh, Why Look, uh, Black Cat, uh, IRS, uh, yeah. uh, YLK, Danny O. YLK, Black Cat. Danny O and all of us, um, we went on the yeah. Beat, Beat Factory tour, and it was just seven of us, and we were all just starting. This got to be 96, just one of them long white um, uh, white vans with 11 seats in them, uh, you know, just in the middle of winter. <laughs> You know, just kind of on our first tour ever, all of us like going outside of like, you know, going at least to like Oshawa or Pickering or Brampton or Markham or something like that. So it was yeah. good. And we have been we, we just connected all, all throughout the tour. We all had cool because we were all from Scarborough. So we kind of all had the same kind of Scarborough vibes and everything like that. We and yeah, we just call ourselves the seven, dead, seven deadly venoms. And we had the handshake and everything. And we still, do it. we still do it today when we see like it's like our own little thing because we all went on the road together at, for the very first time and that's where the seven deadly venoms came up from i said to dan i go if i mention seven deadly venoms is shock claire gonna know what i'm talking about or is this one of those things that only you remember and he goes guy he still does the handshake yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> still do the handshake whatever i said i was like yeah we do it man we do it that was a big time because we just learned so much and it was just a it was such a learning experience and it was also a great Kind of, you know, like like we're still cool from all these years now. So it was like great bonding with everybody else, and especially coming up in the industry that you know that wasn't getting a lot of attention except for a little bit, and we had to go and muscle our way through it. So we were all muscling our way through it at the same time. So it was really cool. That's where Seven Deadly Venoms came up with. Yeah, there's nothing that makes me feel whiter than when I'm hanging out with Dan and members of the Mighty Monolith and their crew and their friends at every single, it could be 20, 30 guys deep. Every single guy, when they see each other, they got their own personalized handshake. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm just like, and then they see, yo, what's up, Donnie? And then they just, you know, I, I get a little bit of dap or maybe I'll get like a, you know, like a little gun finger thing and that's it. And I'm like, yeah, that's all I can remember. Okay. I can't, I can't do the choreography. So did you ever see there was that, um, I think it was salt keel and peel. And uh, it was yeah. like uh, Obama was walking into the room and how he would say hi to like um, to like Colin Powell and someone else. And then did you like the George Bush was like, how are you doing, sir? How are you doing, sir? <laughs> so it's a funny one. <laughs> yeah, they had their own shakes and everything like that. It's funny he mentioned that. I was just watching that actually a couple of days ago, that one episode. Tid, we should we should create our own secret handshake, Tid. Yeah, let's do that online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> now everybody's going to be doing that. Hey, remember this? I'll be like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Let me ask you something. When you look at the state of music right now, especially let's just focus and drill down Canadian music, right? Whether it's hip hop or beyond. Do you look like a proud father? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's definitely, um, you know, because a lot of actually I just did this. Um, it was like a private party up in Kingston last Saturday. It was like uh, it was like how they do the tiny desk things. Uh, mm. So it's just one of these private things. About 50 people coming in, you come in, you get a bottle of wine and cheese and, you know, stuff like that. And then I when I performed, then uh, mostly it's kind of like, you know, like young entrepreneurs or people who, you know, they're in their 40s and stuff like that. And they grew up on hip hop and everything. And uh, yeah, they always just always. Oh, I remember seeing you at Queens University or back over in, you know, at uh, this one Western or over here or Victoria, B.C. And they're all like either doing music themselves or their little brothers doing it or or whichever. And, you know, so it's good because they kind of got motivation just watching how that was growing into even into their own thing that they were doing, whatever they ended up becoming accountants, lawyers, this, that, and the others. But then you got like the, the kids that I think slowly now there, there was like a moment where it was like, ah, they're just old heads. Like we got the flavor now, you know, type thing where I think it's slowly getting like, no, you got to know who these people are. Like I think just last weekend Maestro performed at the, at the, the Leaf game, you know, like uh, to do stuff like mm -hmm. that. And everybody knows, everybody knows his name, like cheers, you know, so these, those are the kind of things. So it's good to see now um, people kind of giving them the history of how it all came around. And a couple of years ago, I think we did um, the OVO Fest, the Northern Touch one, where Drake brought up all the guys, everybody, like all the us 90s guys and everything and the early 2000s and stuff. And people came because it was Drake and may not have known who I was, but he was like, you need to know who this is, you know, and it's especially for like Drake fans, you know, like he talks and everybody's ears opening and listening. He's like, nah, if you don't know, and he ran down the list of, like I couldn't, I forgot some of the ones that he was bringing up, but he would bring up like two black guys and 100 miles and, you know, Jellystone and Rumbling Strong and, you know, like just all these different groups from back then. So that was good to see. And when they mention your name, it's it's good because you're just like, yeah, you know, it's like Roman Reigns right now. It's like, acknowledge me. You know what I mean? And when they do, it feels like it's a good thing. Yeah. Do you think do you think a lot of that I was gonna just say do you think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like you y'all were there at that peak of when you had things like much music. Right. You had you had a nationwide uh, platform that was able to help help your your brand grow. It was like timing couldn't have been any better. You know what I mean? Because really music was popping off. Clubs were opening up bigger clubs. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't underground stuff that was playing your music. It was it was big clubs in Toronto are, are bumping your songs now and big clubs in Vancouver because they have that. And then all of a sudden, all that went away. Is is that? Do you think that like the music of today in the Toronto scene doesn't get that kind of pub because there isn't that national outlet the way that there was? Well, that that's an interesting point because that could be it because um, when much music was and if you had BET and MTV back right. when they were playing videos, 
um, that's pretty much where you got it, right? Like you, you know, like a, a lot of people that were like me would go and, um, you know, get home and or push record or when they start having record buttons and you could set the timer on your VHS to go and um, record four o'clock when Rap City came on because with the exception of college, college radio and uh, a very, very few commercial stations, um, you wouldn't hear the music anywhere. So it got nationalized in that way because if you liked hip hop at all, you were watching much music. Everybody would see that same episode of Rap City or Extend the Mix or Soul in the City or just that random time they played a hip hop song that was like in the top 10 um, at the time. Whereas, um, so everybody got to know us like that. Where nowadays, when that all kind of changed and it was the internet, it was like you could just hit pockets, you know, and it's scattered. Like, there's probably there's artists out there that have like six million views and you never even heard of them, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. Like so. But they could have just gone through their own type of way, like, you know, or even over in England or over in uh, somewhere in uh, in the continent of Africa. Those artists, and we don't hear them because there's not that same streamlining of things. It's just it's like almost pockets. And then one thing that's funny that I was talking to one of the music directors, uh, one of the radio stations, and I was like. Uh, oh, I was going to put out a new song. I was like, hey, man, you know, yo, can you give this a listen and let me know what you think? Maybe get it in a thing. And then he literally told me, he was like, man, unfortunately, with radio now, like, we don't break music. We just look for what's hot and we play it. You know, and, and so that's where it's kind of like, because then if you get on a virgin, uh, and I'm not saying it was virgin or anybody necessarily pointing, pin, uh, pin, uh, pointing fingers at anybody, but I know they're national and syndicated. So if you can get on in a Virgin Toronto, you could probably get in one on the same one in Vancouver and London and here, there and there, depending on whatever, all these different things. So, um, but that's also a problem too, because I remember listening to Buffalo radio station. It'd be like, first time to play the brand new Biggie. Nobody's ever saying first time to play this anymore. You know, they're just like, oh, uh, yeah. we just play it. Like everybody's, it's hot on it. It's got views. Yeah, you've you've heard it you've heard it twenty thousand times on your TikTok feed before, and then eventually you hear it on the radio and you're like, oh, oh, that's that song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know. By the time it's on radio, the kids think it's old. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the joke of it is, back in the day, right? Like, for example, when you dropped Ice Cold, like the A and R record reps. They were hustling and they were they were like chatting up the radio stations like, yo, you got to drop this new thing or they're making side deals like, hey, you got to make sure you play this. This guy's going to be big. The song's going to be a summer banger whatever. Right. They're making all those kind of <laughs> yeah, side deals to try to, and get. That's because they had to work. <laughs> we, they, right. had to work. they had these divisions and then you had uh, and then. Yeah. And that was. I guess you could say part of the good old days of um, the music industry is because then you'd have like people coming up um, that were ahead of departments, you know, and I lived in like, uh, like lived hip hop and they were like the a part of the urban radio, you know, so they felt like they had love doing it because they're like, I really like this song. I want to go and do it. I want to go and do it. You know, and then they had street teams that, and then they still had to report to the boss because everybody wanted that job, you know, um, uh, like, you know, like someone like Big C, like he came all the way up through, you know, Craig Mannix, like he came all the way up through. Um, a lot of those guys, Ice came all the way up through. Um, and then even it's funny because the president of Universal Music Canada, I went to high school with, we did talent shows together and he came, he was my radio guy when I was at Virgin. So like, well, he's from JP too. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Remedius. Yeah. And he came all the way up through saying so, we all kind of came up at the same time. So we were all fighting for the same thing 
we all loved music. We all thought it should be getting played more. It should be, uh, you know, people should check, the, pay it more attention, acknowledge it more. And um, so we all had this passion to go put it in there, put that work in. Street teams are going there. I remember the uh, record companies had to have budgets because they had to clean off stickers and all these board wraps because they went insane with things that they were doing because everybody had this passion and love. And it was work to do it. Now it's a little, it got easier because now you just upload and, you know, put, you know, buy a few views off like uh, YouTube and just get the ticker rolling. And then all of a sudden you start, you know, you get all these views. Um, it's crazy because some people be like, how come this guy got 10 million views and nobody knows his song? It's like, you know, like. Yeah. And you know what? That's part of the struggle, right? Because back in the day, I remember talking to artists and they would hate their label or hate their their a and r rep because it's like this guy's not pushing me enough they should be doing more for me now theoretically an artist has ultimate control right they can record produce master their own shit. they can put it online but then it's lost there's just a sea of content there's right. an ever-growing ocean of content and it's like how the hell do you stand out how do you drive eyes and ears to your sound a lot it's, of times it's the, it's it comes down to like you're saying but it's it comes down really to dollars because now it's like if you try to get a new shoe into Foot Locker look oh. at what your space the you know, space zone is going to be you're going to be like up in the top left corner at the back of the store and all the Jordans sure. all the Adidas all the Nikes all the Pumas are all going to be everywhere else so if you can't get to that front a part of the store or have put up two big neon lights pointing, check this through here, like in the back corner of the store, you know, that's kind of where you get lost. And a lot of times uh, people just through friends and family or just through their own hustle, they can go and put down like do the record because they have their studio or their friend has their studio. But then they can go and put like five thousand dollars on their YouTube advertisements. And that stirs their spins or their Spotify's or their this, you know, like that's, that's pretty much like, it's almost like, you know, you can hate it or love it, but it's the way that it works. You know, it's like, that's the new, that's the new street level. Like when you had A&R guys and their street teams going out and doing that to get it over, that was before YouTube, that was before Spotify, yeah. all of that. So now that's come along. It was probably, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you who it was, but I'm sure that there was a small, a very small handful of, of artists out there who were the first ones to figure out, listen, I'm not getting signed by a label. I, I don't have the money to put my own stuff, but there's this internet thing going on and maybe I can just use that to be friends with people on MySpace, or, you know, then Facebook comes around and, the, and they start marketing themselves this way. And then more people figure it out. Yeah. And then companies start making tools for the artists to be able to do that. Now you don't need the street team anymore. Right. You don't need that A&R guy and these, and the artist is, you know, has that much more control. Yes. But Man, it's a sea out there. Yeah, it's know? the yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's just the because if you would take the resources from having a street team, having put making all the posters and having yeah. uh, the person to go and run that division, and now you just take that. Now that's the only problem sometimes because some people don't have those resources. You know that's why they would sign with a record company and go and record company pays for everything, and but then they take from take a lot from you. But if you could raise that kind of initial jump off fun because you would need to do that you don't have to mail out records you just email everybody 
Like we had the ship records and shipping, you know, you pay for the vinyl, pay for the jacket, then pay for the shipping. Two copies to how many DJs all around the world, you know what I mean? Like, so, uh, yeah, so I, I prefer, like, I don't mind the advertising. I just don't like the, the spin so much, like, when they buy the views. But, like, if you go and do boosts to go and put, like, say, you advertise on, like, Instagram and direct them to wherever your stuff is, you know, yeah. then then you can, because then people go when they're interested rather than, it just pops up every two seconds in someone's square for five yeah. seconds and then it's a view or something like that, you know, and then it's you got to manipulate that algorithm. Yeah. So but hey, you know how it works is how it works. And, uh, you know, I can't hate anybody for doing it because I had people mail my records out. So <laughs> it makes me think like I heard an interview the other day with uh, with the singer Jewel and her story is well publicized. But if anyone doesn't know it uh, in a nutshell, she was homeless living in her car ready to give up on the music industry and she was living in san diego and at the time a lot of hot uh alternative rock bands were getting signed out of san diego and so she was playing coffee shops right this folk singer and in, in, uh, right around the time that you dropped your first album and and she's uh she's singing in coffee shops and they're charging her money to perform Mm -hmm. They're like a lot of labels come and watch. So you're probably going to get signed. So you got to pay us. And she's like, the place is packed. You guys are making money and I'm paying you a hundred bucks for the right to perform. So she ended up going to this coffee shop that was about to go out of business and said, can you stay open one more month? And the lady's like, I guess so. And she would make up flyers by hand, walk down to the beach hand them out two or three guys would show up because they thought maybe they were going to get with her that night <laughs> and then eventually she's selling out and then all of a sudden the local radio station goes holy shit this song is unbelievable they play it she's a success yeah you know yeah she goes from living in her car to signing a million dollar record deal and it's like that story can't happen anymore yeah, right? well, it it not not like that, not with the coffee shop, no. because now there people would just go online and do do the set up a you know a, an account somewhere and just like here, like I live in St. Thomas and um out here and once people realized I was in, in, out here living in St. Thomas, they were like, now I'm in the what's happening St. Thomas Facebook uh, whatever page, <laughs> like oh, you yeah, said, yeah, yeah. you know, like they'll have a picture of me wearing a jumbo or something. I'll be like, hey, because uh, my friend uh, Malachi, he started it in St. Thomas. So, and they have I actually have a jumbo elephant story is, is that they killed the elephant by accident with a locomotive back in like 1909. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, if you look it up on a thing, what's the elephant mean in St. Thomas? They'll tell you the story. So that's how, like that's so, we, so cool. So we make it global, we make jumbo global, but um, but it's it, it was started here, and um, yeah. Sure. And now when they take see pictures of me wearing it online, I'm in like the St. Thomas Times or my FM that because one's right across the street from me, and then all this other stuff. So, so yeah, like you know, but so in that aspect maybe, but yeah, you just gotta do your promo, whatever's gonna work for you, because at the end of the day, what's gonna stand out is the song. I was talking to someone the other day about it, and they're like. Um, you're talking, oh, that, when I was in Kingston, like it's just like that song, like let's ride, like you know, like that song, it just stands the, the test of time. I can listen to it to, yeah. from then till now. And it was like, because a lot of times, some songs you hear and you hype for a moment, and then you, you forget that it was even around. So, you know, so you like, mentioned, yeah, you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to piggyback on. And, um, I know you're a wrestling fan, and we could talk about wrestling, right? But, uh, before we do, I wanted to say you mentioned 
uh, about Roman Reigns and you were saying, um, you know, Drake was cool enough to sort of give you guys the rub and, and be like, hey, young fans, this guy is important, right? He's important to the scene. My question for you is, do you feel like younger hip hop fans, those Gen Z kids, do you feel like they know who you are? Do you feel they're familiar with your catalog? Or is it something like, yeah, I only know what's current and what's now? I think for the most part, they would have heard of me. Most of them too, also, their parents, if they're still in the hip hop, they would have told them about me, um, right. you know, and um, and especially if they're into music and rap music, they would have at least checked me out one or two and they could have been like, oh, well, you know, I, I like this song, maybe not that song, you know, or I like his newer stuff or I really like his old stuff or something like that. So I think it's it's not there yet. Like, it's not like how when we look back at, you know, like the Big Daddy Kane's, the, you know, MOPs and the Mob Deeps and stuff, Wu-Tangs, were like, yo, yeah, those guys, like, like if somebody said something bad about, like, you know, Wu-Tang, you'd be like, yo, like, Wu-Tang didn't do nothing for hip-hop. You'd be like, dude, come on. like <laughs> Sit all the way down. Yeah, you know. And that's the funny thing with hip-hop, too, is that there was that one guy, I forget who it was, but he was like, he was on some uh, uh, some show and he was talking about how he doesn't rate Biggie, doesn't rate Pac, and he doesn't rate, like, he's like, oh, those guys. Are done. And the one thing that stuck out to me is I was like, you never would hear that, like, in rock and roll, somebody say, oh, well, yeah, you know, um, yeah, Van Halen, yeah, he sucked, or Led Zeppelin, you know, like, uh, who cares? Like, nobody would say, who cares to Jimi Hendrix? But you could say, no. who cares to, like, run DMC? Like, oh, that's all. Right. And next thing you know, they're, like Maestro told me a thing, he's like, always count the years in tens, count the years in tens, because everything comes back in tens. So 99 was ice cold, and then 2009, things picked up a really lot against for me. 1999, I started getting into um, clothing, and um, music was starting to come out again. I was shooting videos again. And then, like, I know it's not an actual full nine, or full ten, sorry, but... Uh, yeah, and then things are just like it almost like you get a lull, and then all of a sudden, ten year period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because Maestro's in like his thirtieth, maybe close to his fortieth year, thirtieth year, and look now he's got he's got Lincoln car commercials. Car. He's got his own TV show. He has his own radio show. He's doing songs that the, he got his own book, children's book. He's nominated for a kids Juno Award. <laughs> like you know what I mean? I know. And all this thing, and you and you would think from eighty nine all the way up to now, and he's still there. And, you know, and he's still relevant. People might, maybe the old newer kids might only really know the Backbone Slide song, but his history makes them know and is the way that he is makes people be like, yeah, I know the Backbone Slide, you know, but, you know, but like I see him around, he's cool. Like, you know, he seems cool and I see him, I meet him type thing. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Sorry, I was just going to say it's interesting yeah. because um, when we were younger, if you're really into something, whether it was music, sports, movies, whatever the fuck it was, you didn't just love that moment of that thing. I remember being a young kid loving baseball and I went out and bought a baseball almanac and I was reading <laughs> about the first World Series, bro. I was reading about the Black yeah. Sox scandal. I was learning about Babe Ruth. I was learning about all these guys. Because that's the way my brain worked. And it's like these kids today that have ridiculous resources at their fingertips, 
They're just like, nah, nah. <laughs> it's the it's the time span. Because remember, I had when I was DJing back in the day, I had the Belvedere DeVoe Poison 12 inch single that had three different versions. On the other side, had the 11 minute. I don't know, <laughs> like you know, five of the songs were like all instrumentals, and they would just do little zip and it was like yeah. 11 minutes long. Like you could go and sit there, go put on a coffee, make a bagel, come back and the song's still playing. <laughs> That's how long it was. But we would sit there and listen to the whole thing and read the back of the record jackets. And, you know, like like you said, go through the history of it. And um, songs were three minutes long and a really cool one was five and a half, you know, now. Yeah. And I catch myself doing it too. Like sometimes I'll be like, oh man, like I was just like, oh, um, I don't know, it could be like uh, Fails of the Week or something like that. And I'll be like, ah, oh, but it's 13 minutes long, though. <sighs> you know, <laughs> unless I'm like lying in bed and just watching TV and I just like, you know, just put something on or I'm just sitting there, you know, having a bag of chips or something like that. Because then I, you know, right. but like if I'm just trying to zim through quick things on the thing, you know, but that's what it is. It's like the, the time span is so small. So, you know, that's why the, the, the history is not there. If they can learn it all in five and 10 minutes, like when you see these things on YouTube and it says uh, all about all about the Vietnam War in 10 minutes animated, like because you got to get them all like right there, you know, <laughs> that's Short really and cartoon. Yeah, just get them there. But that's the re I think that's the reason why they don't get their history, because it's everything's programmed to be right at you at your fingertips. Get it. You want to learn a recipe, put it up three minutes long. Just tell me what to put in there and how long to put it in for you don't show me Social how to whip it or stuff like that and everything like yeah. that, you know? Social media has turned us into a whole planet of ADHD people. Yeah. Um, Tid, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. That's quite all right. I mean, listen, you don't have to... It, it's got to the point, I think, that you don't even have to have schools anymore. Like, do you have to be smart other than, like, just, you know, learning how to hang out <laughs> with people? Because if you have a question, you don't ask anybody. You just go to Google. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, but 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 it wasn't always that way. And I wanted to find out, I want to pick your brain a little bit. When you were younger and you were you were coming up, who were the guys that that you looked to and who did you ask for advice? Like who is your mentors coming up in the music industry? Oh man, in the music industry, uh oh, it would be at first it was like um just I don't know if I asked for advice as much as I just, we were like like-minded. We were all into rap. Some of us were good. Some of us wasn't. And we were also break dancing at the same time. So we were all like, like-minded and we bounce ideas off each other. Like, Oh, you know, like freestyle. And so we'd be like, you know, like, yeah, that one, that one, make sure you keep that one, you know, and stuff like that. So you do that. Once I got out of, I started getting into it on a more of a professional industry level. Mm -hmm. Like the first person I met in the industry level was socks. That was because mm. his friend, his friend, well, I knew Ro Dollar before because we went to the same high school, but like outside of me knowing Ro and in the same high school was, um, was Socks. He had his first single out at that time that still caught up. And I think it's Tuesday, came out from the play the record, Eugene over there, stepping bigger record. Eugene! <laughs> yeah. I love Eugene. Yeah, came out with them. And then my friend Ramon. I went to school with Ramon, and but he lived on the same street that Socks lived on, and he knew that I was doing rap because I was doing talent shows in my school and stuff. And I was like, "Yo, you know that guy Socrates is playing on eighty eight point one, right?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." He's like, "Oh, he's my neighbor. Uh, if you want, I can link you up and whatever." And he was just starting, but he had a record out, 
you know, and that was what we all wanted. Like that's like '93 or something. Like that. So we was like, he was like, no, he has a record out, especially being from Canada, and it sounds good, and you know, and everything like that. So, so yeah, so I would learn a lot from him because he was already recording, and me and him would go to the studio together. Like he would drive together, I'd either drive or he would either drive in. We just became friends over time. At first, I was paying him, I don't know, like $200 a beat or something like that, you know, like um, just to go in. And we go to the studio and uh, and then we'd go there and record for, you know, like four hours. We only have four hours. It wasn't like we can go in there and, you know, just spend time and sit there and talk and whatever. It was like, go in there, record. We got four hours. It cost me $30 an hour. Uh, I think it was $20 an hour, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like 20 um, I love that game. <laughs> Twenty dollars an hour. Yeah. So, so yeah. So then I would just learn off him because he was already doing it. Then through him, I learned. I met through. I met Cardi and Julie. Julie was a singer, and we were all trying to do our music at the exact same time. And uh, so we really just learned off each other. And as my popularity grew, they would kind of learn off me because I was doing things that they were aspiring to do as well. And plus. Um, and then, then as Cardi was going, people, you know, Solitaire would learn, and Rove was always in the mix with everybody. And then I started meeting the Maestros and Michi Mees and people like that. Then they, I when I would sit down with them, Maestro once told me once, I went and I did a show quite a few years back, and I didn't do Let's Ride. Maestro was like, "Did you do Let's Ride?" I was like, "No, oh, you know, I thought people were, you know, I thought they're going to be tired of that song." And I do it all the time. Every time he's like, "You always do your hit, no matter what, because there's somebody out there that's going to be." You know, that's like, oh, I hope he does this. I hope it was going to be more than the one person's going to think that. And that's one of the lessons I've always learned. And he's also always said, like, you know, don't just make music, make history. And then so then that's one thing I was like, OK, I can make a good song. But how am I going to I want to make a song that people will remember, you know, like the Rubbins, the Skylines, the Made to Move Mountains, the Let's Rides, the Skunks. You know, I mean, like those type of songs where people are like. It gives an emotion, you know, food for your soul. These are all these things that all these people that I met that you were in and out of my life as it was coming up. These are all things people used to tell me and that still sticks with me until day one, since day one. You know, what's funny is um, just before COVID, okay, like uh, December 2019, I went with our bro Danny O down to the Royal Ontario Museum for a very small, intimate and interactive concert put on by Maestro. And so it's like, you know, it's it's kind of like a black tie affair. Everyone's looking nice. There's like wine and cheese and all this <laughs> shit, right? And he's there and he's doing his thing. And they got a little stage set up. And so you see him at one point. He's like off to the side. Mel Boogie's there and she's helping him pump out CDs and shit. And someone comes over before his set and goes, hey, yo, maestro, you going to do Backbone? Yeah, yeah. And without lifting his and, and he's signing and without lifting his head, he's like, What you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, like are you gonna do yeah, you're gonna do backbone side? No, oh, come on. Yeah. What, you, what you think? <laughs> what you what you think? No, I'm gonna go up there, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a chapter from my favorite book. Yeah. <laughs> Thought I'd do some spoken word. <laughs> no, he he was gonna do let's ride. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna do Cardi Slam tonight. <laughs> uh, another thing that popped in my head, um, and this is sort of going back to what we were talking about earlier, with like just the the, the phenomenal amount of resource that's available to people, and whether they choose to or choose not to look it up. Um, 
and and this is going to start to creep into the wrestling side of your brain okay uh the son of ice cube o'shea jackson jr hollywood actor successful uh busy man huge wrestling fan huge Mm -hmm. and lately o'shea jackson jr has become known on twitter or x as being um a complete asshole to a whole group of wrestling fans that love AEW. I think I saw this which is, line there, yeah. <laughs> which is a rival wrestling company to WWE. And, you know, he'll he'll put stuff on, on Twitter. He'll be like, yo, who's this old Japanese man Edge is fighting? And instead of people coming and going, oh, that's Minoru Suzuki. He's a legend from blah, 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 blah. They go, Fuck you! You're not a real wrestling fan. You fucking fake. <laughs> you're a fucking sellout. You fucking bitch. Fuck you! You're bi- and they just go in. And of course, O'Shea Jackson Jr. He just goes right back at them. <laughs> uh, so, but I look at this and I go, okay. I kind of sound like a hypocrite because on one hand, I'm like, hey, if you're a fan of something and you want to go and do the research, then you have the resources available. But at the same time. If I said to you, hey, Shocks, I never heard any Socrates music. Now I have. But if I, I never heard any Socrates, can you recommend something I check out? You're not going to be like, yo, fuck you, Donnie. You don't know hip hop. <laughs> fuck you, man. You'd be like, yeah, man, l- listen, here's an album you could check. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's so funny to me. And I don't know if that's a toxic wrestling fan thing, if it's a, a, a community gatekeeping thing where people are like, you can't come into our world. Like, do you see that happening in not just uh, wrestling, but music? Uh, sometimes in music, I think it's more of a comic book guy thing. You know, like, it's, <laughs> it's not like a super authentic to like how they see it. Then it's, yeah, because if somebody... Like I have friends that, well, here's the easiest thing: um, Super Bowl. People just will go and watch, or f- football on Thanksgiving when everybody comes together. They don't really watch football. They know their whoever and their family's into it. The family's all together. They're all going to be there. Most, some of them go to watch the halftime show. They really don't care until the fourth quarter if it's a close game. They're like, "Oh, they caught it!" Like they know what's going on and they can count yards and everything like that. But then you kind of educate them and then be like, because it's supposed to be entertaining at the same time. So if I go to something, if I go to like a, a rock band show that I don't know, and I'm like, oh man, this is a good song. What song is this? Yeah, if you turn around and be like, oh, why are you even here? Because I'd be like, I might just like these guys. Um, that's actually that's how I ended up liking um, Rage Against the Machine. Socks was like, we were when it first came out, we were driving around in the car, and it's like, yo, did you hear this band? I was like, no. And then the first two songs he put in was. Uh, uh in the name of and then the other one that they have in the name of and the other big big one from way back then but killing in the name of there's a few yeah bomb track uh i can't remember i'd have to look at it there's a bunch yeah i know it by the title but i I can't remember but that's how i got into rage against the machine you know so somebody i'm telling you right now i think we just found chocolate's new youtube bit all right <clears throat> We're gonna put headphones on him, and Chocolair listens to like metal bands for the first time ever. <laughs> hey, I like it, man, because I, you know, the, the the thing is the coordination that you have to have to do the drums of all the things you have to hit, the the guitars, how you play the things, all that stuff. Like, I love the guitars because, like, you know, I know there's a whole bunch of bigger names and probably other people out, but I always say people forget like how great of a guitar player Prince was. 
Like, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah. like, you know, like, because you had so much other going around. But, like, if you just sit there and listen to it, you know, clear ones like Slash and other people like that, you know, and just bands that I don't even know who the guitarist is. I'm just hearing the guitar playing. I'm like, oh, this is dope. <laughs> like, this is dope. So, yeah, I, I just, yeah, but going back to that point, it's like, yeah, like, yeah, I saw that thing and you're like, oh, you don't know wrestling. It's like, well, then show them because he, I don't know a lot of the AEW guys either, except for the ones that go over from WWE, you know, like, or they stick out like that MJF guy or whatever. I don't even know his whole stick. I just know he's big enough that I started to see him. So, yeah, just be like, oh, this is this guy and that's whatever. And and because next time it's just on TV, you might be like, oh, that's that. I don't know. That's that Kofi Kingston guy that I watched him the other day. He stays on his hands to not fall out of the ring at Royal Rumble. Like he's so oh, he's really athletic. Let's see what he does this time. You know, like that's how you get people into it. Gatekeeping fans always make me fucking laugh. And and like AEW fans are their own breed of animal. They're different than regular wrestling fans because they're like they feel like they're insulated, right? They wwe but they love their shit yeah. and if you don't like their shit then you're an idiot and it kind of reminds me of this whole internet um explosion that happened this week i don't know if you're aware of this or not but you're a music guy um century music fans have lost their fucking mind shocks because uh-huh. beyonce went and made a, a country album yeah and her first single dropped this week and it's good like i'm sitting here <laughs> I'm, I'm line dancing and I'm going to some Beyonce. Is that how they do the line dance? Go... <laughs> no, oh, yeah. It's... The remix of the line yeah. dance. <laughs> well, you can only see from here up. That's all you get. <laughs> okay. Um, right. If I'm watching people and like uh, the, the, the dance for her song, Texas Hold'em, it's gone viral. People are doing it everywhere. And then you look in comments, man, and it's like, it's tasty, bittersweet tears. And you see these people, that's not country. Fuck this shit. She can't do country. She's a city bitch. Fuck this. Stay the fuck out of country. I saw um, John Schneider from the Dukes of Hazard, Bo Duke. Oh, really? Coming out. And he's like, yeah, these these liberals, they got to come in and piss all over our stuff and mark their territory. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. This is country music. I know about country music. I made country music. You know, it's one thing for someone like Shania to do country and then move into rock. You can't go the other way. You can't go from somewhere else and come to country. You're not country. So it's they, like, what the fuck are we talking and, about? And they get mad when the country goes into pop, but it's the pop goes in the country they get mad because if that's that's why they all that's probably why they're really pissed because taylor swift is the big thing now and now you have beyonce getting it like so taylor swift infiltrated or changed over or just it's pop she's always been popping with a hit of country but beyonce has always been pop and now she's in the country and they're like well we lost taylor swift we're taking beyonce no this stuff it's gonna all these liberals are coming everywhere and grabbing all of our artists but (laughs) new country new country is pop yeah, exactly. Like, let's not get it twisted. New country is pop. It's the same. <clears throat> it's just done with a twang. Yeah, that's it. It's just done with a twang. I don't understand. Like, listen, if you're if you were to tell me that Beyonce's coming out and doing like some Hank Williams or some like some Willie Nelson vibe or some old Dolly Parton stuff or whatever, cool. But uh, you know what I mean. But she's she's doing her stuff. Yeah. with a slide guitar. It's that. That's it. Yeah. At the I end of the day, at the end of the day, isn't it about the is it shouldn't it be about the artist doing what they want with their own freaking art? 
Yeah, well, that's the thing, because now it's like this is our art. Now, what's going to happen now is um, Andre 3000, all the Philharmonics are going to get mad at him because his album was a flute. Nah, that's not okay, real flute. Okay, listen, listen, don't start. Listen, I was pissed. I was fucking pissed, Chucks. All right, because I, for one, was looking forward to this. You hear the hype about it. Andre's got a new album coming out, and you're like, dope. And you stay up for three days, and you get into a lineup at the store, and finally this thing drops, and you hit play, and you're like, well, this is going to put me to sleep real fucking <laughs> <laughs> music to sleep to are the country music fans mad because she comes from pop or are they mad because she's black i think there's a combination of it because you know like because i think even say even like um like it's not so much now, but like when 70s rock was there and then grunge started coming in and it was like you know it was like a almost like a like a a slice of what was going on in the 70s and then tech pressure mode and bands like that kind of changed it around in the 80s and then the harder rock bands came but it wasn't quite and then that's when you started getting classic rock radio compared to like new rock mm-hmm. you know like so i think so i think the fact that it came from pop um and she was just a pop artist and she's like probably one of the big there's a lot of reasons to be jealous of her she's with the biggest artist in the world um she's married to the big, other biggest artist of the world she's like billions and billions of dollars everybody loves her you attack her online then the beehive comes after everybody else like she loved by everybody so if you don't if you are just a little insecure about that you're already going to be like oh gosh beyonce again huh like i see here people say that and be like yeah i don't like that beyonce you know that uh that illuminati girl and stuff like you know and i'm just like Oh, come on, just just doing music, like, just leave it alone. And so I think it's that. And then also there is some tradition of that, you know, like it's um, the country in the South and everything like that. Like there's all that stuff is there, you know, so I can't tell you what the percentages of it, it all is, but I think there's a bit of both in there's jealousy, there's pop, there's jealousy of her fame, the fact that she does pop music and pop, and probably because the color of her skin and they're like, oh, we can't like, look, they got the other reasons they got mad at little Nas X. He's black, he's gay. And he, <laughs> Does country? Oh my gosh! Somebody's head blew up in this, in the place. That's like, the it was like, trifecta. Wait, you what? can't do that. <laughs> He's gay. Little not not as X. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say you did that really good. I was about to be like, what? <laughs> you know what it is? The rednecks are mad. Shocks because Beyonce went and created this viral TikTok and and the st- like it's a little bit of step dance with too much rhythm and they can't keep up. You know, these <laughs> rhythmless old white dudes they can't keep up and they're like, god damn it, she made it hard. I don't like this. That's what's going on. Um you said something on this show almost 4 years ago back on episode 9 that I have quoted in multiple interviews since then and you kind of referenced it a second ago. When you talked about how, you know, you and I were the same age. Tid's much, much, much older. Um, but <laughs> when we were kids, we grew up listening to everything. Yeah. Because you turn on the radio and you had access to everything, right? So, like, yeah, you're going to hear Def Leppard. You're going to hear Run DMC uh, if you're lucky. You're going to hear <laughs> some, you're going to hear some, uh, you know, some Depeche Mode. You're going to hear some. Uh, uh, Jefferson Air, like whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like you were hearing everything because we were inundated. Now the world has become so niche. Everything is so niche. Like even 
within a genre of music, there's a dozen subgenres, right. right? Yeah. It's like, no, no, I like, I like, I like trip hop. I like, I like trip, trip hop. That's what I like. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. So I don't, it's crazy I only listen how to, I only everything listen has to become drill rap. Drill rap, yeah, there's yeah, drill rap now, yeah. I only listen to drill rap from the southeast block of Kansas City. <laughs> like, cool, what are we doing here? <laughs> That's like It's just funny how things have become so niche. And you had to figure there was going to become a breaking point, mm-hmm. right? And, and about a month ago or so on this show, I said to Tid, and this is before Beyonce's album, I said, holy shit, I like country music. First time in my life. I've been listening to nothing but Jelly Roll. I'm I'm a jelly roll stan all of a sudden, right? Like his lyrics, they hit me hard. I dig his vibe. I like him as a person. I think he's cool as shit. And all of a sudden, bro, I'm in the car. I'm listening to jelly roll on loop. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now I'm listening to be, I'm like, holy shit. I'm listening to the queen bee doing country, Texas, hold them. I like country. That was one of the things I never listened to when I was a kid. Cause that wasn't pop music when we were kids, Right. everything right. else was right. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what it takes to break down those music barriers is more and more of these huge artists that just cross the the lines into different, different places to play different, uh, audiences. I think, yeah, because, you know, in like the, it almost kind of switched up in like the nineties at first, because, you know, at that point I remember even hip hop guys were like, Oh, we're not R and B we're hip hop. Like, you know, and, right. and then, but then, you know, the puff daddies came in and the father MCs and all these guys started doing, you know, father MC, through, that's a good pull. <laughs> yeah. With, um, songs with Jodeci and Mary J Blige is with Smith and Wesson. And then all of a sudden you're seeing, um, public enemy with anthrax. And everything. So right. even though they yeah. were the same type of thing, but then again, Rage Against noise. Machine. Yeah. Rage Against Machine kind of was rap, sort of rock, that type of stuff. So like in the 90s, everybody was like hip hop was one thing and rock was one thing and dance music was one thing and pop was like, you know, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, all that stuff. Then all of a sudden, Justin Timberlake says, yeah, I like hip hop. Let me try and do a song with Nelly. So they do girlfriend stuff like that starts happening. So then now you have the new NSYNC fans doing songs with uh, liking songs from Nelly, and now everybody starts meshing, and that's where you start getting Limp Biscuit with Method Man, Corn with these guys. Well, typically, when that happens, typically when that happens, what you see is the Nelly fans are like, "Fuck Nelly, he sold out." Right? Uh, well, it depends because Nelly wasn't as hardcore like an MOP. He was yeah. already with uh, down, down, baby. Even though if you listen to the words with it, it's like pulling out the AK, zoom, zoom, and let it go. Like he's talking about shooting up a block in the whole song. That's, but that's what he's saying. If they, because they always play the, well, they play the clean version. You listen to the the uncensored version. He's talking some stuff. But I think right. at that point, when everybody started meshing, all these fans started going back into their corners. They're like, no, nah, I like this type of hip hop, you know, like I like the EPMDs, the big daddy canes. I don't like this jaw rule. And, you know, every once in a while, someone would come around like, you know, 50 Cent came out and everybody really loved them. DMX, everybody really loved them. But then 50 Cent started doing jaw rule stuff when he he took them out. And, uh, you know, and all these things started meshing. So then within the cultures, and this is just not for hip hop because everybody was mixing music at this point. So people started paring down and be like, well, I like, you know, I like old school rap. I'm a 90s rap guy or I'm a old school rock guy or this. And then even though other people are mixing and meshing, they're doing like, oh, but I like uh, jungle music. 
So I'm going to make this type of music or, you know, and then I saw your music started changing and everybody started falling back into their corners. I think that's what started happening. But when these things start going on, like when you have uh, big time artists like, uh, um, uh, what's it, uh, like when Kendrick Lamar and um, uh, Taylor Swift did a song together, right. you know, even though, yeah, it was, she's on it and she's doing her pop thing, but it leaned harder than what she normally did. You know, and stuff like that. And Beyonce started doing it. She came off of Destiny's Child and started getting more core. Like, I guess once she got into, got with Jay-Z and started doing Crazy in Love, like, her music changed. She wasn't like, bootylicious, all bootylicious. She wasn't doing that anymore. She's like, come here. Like, all aggressive (laughs) on the songs and everything like that. And the type of songs that she's doing. So I think that's just part of it. It's just because music is meshing so much and the majority of people love it. But the people that are like fundamental music of that genre, they either scale back, create, or and the creative people stay here, the most creative and popular here. But other people are like, I don't like that stuff. Like all I listen to is De La Soul from 1994. Like that's that's my era. And I love that too, right? But I also love everything around that. I think that's why it changed a bit and where people scale around and, and it boxes people out. And we don't know, we don't know what's popular in another country all the time. You know what I mean? Like we don't know about the music scene in Spain or we don't, cause living in Canada or whatever, we don't know about the music scene in, you know, in Mexico for that matter. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then you get the opportunity to do a bunch of like, you know, a bunch of features on songs. You just did one last year, apparently. Right. With, uh, with a very, I listened to it, a song called Bon Voyage. Oh right, yeah, with Tiara, right? With Tiara, I, I I listen to it, and this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, this is going to be played in every single resort, yep, all across the Caribbean, like, and you're never going to hear this in in North America for the most part. You know what I mean? <laughs> unless unless that's your music that you you tune into, but this is going to get so much more play that we just don't know about. Well, you, you know, know what? It yeah, well, look at uh, like there's an artist, um, Fito Blanco. Like, you right. don't really hear his music over here that much, but he's all over the place. And then you look at um, look at Snow, he did the remix with Daddy Yankee, and she's all, all the time over in Puerto Rico, but like you don't hear it that much unless you're listening to like like a mixed show, like you know, like the live drive at five with starting from scratch or something like that, and you're in the car. And then nowadays, people aren't really listening to radio like that, uh, you know, because they just put on their Spotify or they might put on the radio because they don't want to see the traffic and stuff like that. Listen for traffic and weather or something. Right. But for the most part, but yeah, like these, these songs could be huge. Canaan, I'm forgetting what his song was called back in the day. And he, his song was oh, on the World waving Cup. Waving Flag? Waving Flags. That was on the, was on the um, World Cup a few years back. Um, he, I think he just won, that track. I think he just won a Grammy this, this, um, this year that just passed. And you don't even know what he's doing. <laughs> like, you know, what is it? You it know? doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, you know, your art will be the art and, and people will, will take to it. And I, I believe in, yeah, I like that, that song with Bon Voyage. That song is going to be like in resorts. It's going to be like everywhere. And people just not know, you know, like exactly. You'll be like, oh, I haven't heard this in a while, you know, and or I haven't heard this song. What's Chocolate song? I went to Europe when Thong Song came out, when, when it first came out. And me and Solitaire and all of us went to the club. There was 15 different mixes of Thong Song, and they played them all that night. There was a dance mixing, the, the drum and bass mix, the regular mix, 
every like that song played like but it was the most popular song at the time but that song played like every seven minutes and it was a different version so i only know the one when, <laughs> when tid talks about we don't know what's popular elsewhere it reminds me again i'm gonna cross over um it reminds me to a few years ago at wrestlemania when out came bad bunny and people were like what the fuck is this guy and people yeah. got all toxic and and it's like oh wait a minute that's when i started doing my because i wasn't familiar with bunny and i did my research i'm like oh he's the most downloaded guy on spotify yeah he's the best selling artist in american history that doesn't sing in english ever like what <laughs> this guy is massive yeah and people like getting him as part of wwe I don't think a lot of fans realize how big it was. Like it, it was gigantic because he is such a mega, mega star. And it just happens that he's a he's a massive wrestling fan. And um, he was uh, he was also oh sorry. I was just gonna say it, go, even go, go. that, even in that too, look what the WWE did. They put a pay-per-view in Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico. And then brought all yeah. the Puerto Rico, brought Calido back, uh, you know, brought all the, the stars from Puerto Rico there. Bad Bunny was there, and the crowd went bananas. What a monster show that was. Yeah. Um, speaking of WrestleMania, we are on the road to WrestleMania, as you know, because you're a wrestlehead. Yep. So are you team Cody Crybaby or are you team Rock? I'm team Bloodline all the way. I want them to actually, <laughs> I want them to actually, something happens, something should happen. Um, and the Bloodline comes in. Oh, this is what should happen. Cody Rhodes is going to get should get mad at Jay because they were friends and he brought him in and something's going to happen with some kind of whatever I don't know some type of kerfuffle and the bloodline should come back in come and defend uh, Jay and he comes and he runs with the family because that's remember Rock was supposed to fight Roman Reigns and then Cody Rhodes mm -hmm. came out and started talking some smack and he and Rock was just like yo. And I, I think that was a shoot slap because he slapped them pretty good. And everybody seemed pretty genuinely uh, upset. But I, I don't know, they, maybe they could just act really well. But it's, they seemed really like, you don't do that. You don't do that type stuff. The fact that you don't know is what makes it amazing. Yeah, that makes it amazing. And um, so, yeah, so I, um, so yeah, that's what I think. Because when they did, I don't know if you saw the, the, the show where they were doing the, well, the, the slap show when they put the family tree. That's hugely <laughs> impressive. You know, and oh my just Jay just straggling around over there by himself. He could still be solo because he's on on rap uh, on Raw, and those guys are on SmackDown. But sure. like, I would love to see them all—the Rock and the Bloodline, uh, um, Rakishi just jump like the whole oose. That would be, and then I don't know who he's gonna get on his side. Get Cody and Dustin. You know, if his dad was still alive, rest in peace. That would have been dope too. You know, but then got the, this, the family. I don't know. Maybe the Funk family comes in. The Ortons. You know what I mean? Like they're like two traditional wrestling families at rest. That I think I was going to do it. And I was going to bring. And I want to go. And I was going to watch. Sorry, I was going to watch uh, WrestleMania. I was telling Danny you should come and watch it at this place called Free Play Toronto. I'm going to go watch it there. And then I was like, um, and I would take pictures and whatever, and be like, yeah, we're watching WrestleMania thing. And then. Money in the Bank is in Toronto, and I was like, yo, I'll grab the tickets and sit front row. It will be right there, like, in the front row, make sure we get camera time and <laughs> everything like that. I just go front row. 
And because he keeps, he tells me all the time, he's like, yo, that lyric that propelled me so much. Everybody saw it comes up. Except me and Danny O at I watch a raw, like chill at Monday Night Raw, raw watch it. Me and Danny O at the Sky Dome when it's in town. He's like, that's when it's my, in town, yeah. Yeah, he's like, that's my iconic line for me. And he's like, I've got a lot of jobs off that. Like, oh, you're the Danny O. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah and you know how many people could... have said, and you know how many people have said that the light skinned dude from Rascals, they thought that was Dan in the Northern Touch video? Oh really? <laughs> oh man! Dude, well, why wasn't Danny O in there? See, that, um, that, that's what we would be like. Oh man, you don't know nothing. You're not into rap. What are you talking about? Oh, oh. <laughs> and I'm you Danny O. Shit about hip hop. Danny O's way lighter than that guy. Yeah, I'm Lou Gossett Jr. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're doing a WrestleMania flex, I need to know about this. Okay, so like we gotta we gotta make this happen. Yeah. Um, Everyone, here's the best part about this Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns, bloodline thing, is there is literally a dozen different ways they can take this story, and everyone's talking about it. And that's why it's so goddamn compelling, right? This the, the, They haven't officially announced it yet, but the rumor that's out there is The Rock and Roman versus Cody and Seth on night one of WrestleMania cody versus roman on night two of wrestlemania that's the story mm. that's going around now if that happens that way seth could fuck over cody because they've had their beef in the past oh yeah yeah and they... if Co and and if cody loses the match the next night against roman he walks into a natural program with seth for his belt and if he beats roman for the belt he still has a natural program with seth that he can do right 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 if if everyone's saying oh the rock is going to screw over roman that's why he whispered to him on smackdown to, to cody he's going to screw over roman reigns and he's going to help cody win and finish the story i think people are thinking too small yeah i think i think you're going to get a full year of the bloodline of the super bloodline with the two-headed monster of Rock and Roman. I think you're going to get a full year. And then around around Royal Rumble next year, they're going to have a split. And then hmm. you're going to get Roman versus Rock at WrestleMania 41 with story and beef and heat. That's what I think is going to happen. Mm, that's interesting, but I don't know if it's going to last a year because I'm going to assume Rock is going to get. Bro, we've been busy. saying that for three years. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think what should happen is, uh, on the second night. Actually, I would prefer it on the first night, just because I, I I'm, I've become more accustomed with it being on Saturday nights for some reason. I just like it better yeah. for some reason, you know, for whatever reason. I just I'm like Saturday. You want to go to bed on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, you know, or, or and I don't know. It's just so and instead of having to go out to a party and jam, you know, I just buy some beer, stay home, roll one up, and just watch yeah, yeah, yeah. and talk talk to the TV. I think what it should be is like so you have Roman and Rock against Seth and Cody. The titles are if Rock and Roman win, then the belt goes to the Rock. If, Ro if uh, Seth and Cody win, the belt goes to Cody. And then now you have these two things, and then you can have, then you could do the same thing you were saying, Rock against Cody right there. And then Roman can, you know, there's a bunch of other people, not Roman, uh, not Rock against Cody, sorry, Roman against Cody to get his title back. 
And then you can have Seth and there's a whole heap of other people that that The Rock doesn't have to mess with. But he could still be part of the super the super bloodline and come out and do, you know, like every super pay-per-view. But then Cody can go up against anybody. Because Cody can Cody the beautiful can go thing up, is or Seth can go up the, against anybody. Sorry, Seth can go up against anybody. Yeah. But the beautiful thing is the way that they're weaving the story, it is the most compelling TV they've done since since the attitude days. Yeah. They they are they are doing multi-pronged stories that have so many different layers. And and part of the beauty of it now is Brian Gewertz, who's been The Rock's personal writer for what, 10, 20 years? Mm-hmm. He's he's lockstep with The Rock on all of this. He's writing all this shit. He's there. And he made a comment recently in an interview where he said, This story right now does not end at WrestleMania. This is chapter one of a whole new book, which is why I think this is going to last a long time. I just don't want to, I just don't want them to break. I want them to keep the bloodline together because they always break up. They always break up good factions, you know, like they will, they'll keep them together for quite some time and they'll even bring in, you're going to see new people join the new, I think uh, Jacob Jacob Fatu is a free agent uh, for one. I think you see him join up. I think you see the bloodline. Then you got me, I die over here. I think you see the bloodline uh, have all of the belts at one time. I think that they have everything and they're running rough shot over everybody. And then what I think happens is they lose the belts because of some kind of screw up because you don't need to have the fight between Roman and the rock in a, in a year's time. You don't need to have a belt involved for that because they'll build the story of the family and that'll be the story, right? Then Cody can finish his story. Supposedly. I don't think it happens at WrestleMania. I think that Cody's story should finish at Madison Square Gardens because if oh. we're talking about it that's where his dad's story ended so that's where okay. Cody's story yeah. should like end up pulling that one off right yeah Bubba Ray Tidwell over here what's that your Bubba Ray Tidwell that's been Bubba <laughs> Ray Dudley's mantra for the last two months he has to finish the story at Madison Square Garden he has to Listen. finish it at Madison Square Garden that's a it's a it's a great it's a idea shit. and if we're talking about story it doesn't have to happen even this year. But I think that if we're talking about historical reference, absolutely, that's a cool place. But I don't think for a second that this story, Cody's story, is over at WrestleMania. No, because then what do you do? No, Should, I think you keep the fans around. Shouldn't he get the, at least because the step up, shouldn't he at least get the intercontinent? Because that's where they could stretch it. He get Because he hasn't had the intercontinental nah. champion since he came back. So get that. And then... He's got to yeah. win. No, he's got to win Roman's belt at WrestleMania, or he no longer has any credibility as a babyface. I'm telling you, he's got to win it at WrestleMania Suppose this if he loses year. It, he doesn't. He loses it, but not fair. Nah, he can't. That was last year. You can't repeat it. You can't. You got to do a remix. You got to change the shit mean? up. We they already just, saw that they last just, year. They, you saw the same thing at last year's Royal Rumble too. He just won Rumble two years in a row. No, nah, but he did didn't, it different. didn't Cody win 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 against Seth fair and square all three matches? Yeah. But see, this is one is where he loses, but he gets he's supposed to win, but he gets roughed up by the blood and he loses. So he legitimately should have won, but because he, didn't, he works he didn't... against if he works against Seth. If he worked against Seth, but I think it's gonna be one on one with Roman. He's gonna win the goddamn thing. And then we can see the seeds start to fall 
in terms of the dissension and the power struggle. And it's a year long struggle mm -hmm. between the high chief and the tribal chief. Right. That's right. what I think is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. The fall and of the Roman the Empire. Thing. Here's the beautiful That's thing it. none of us know. None well, of us know, but clue. we're all intrigued. I think you know what we should do because there is this other show. There is this other show called Live Audio Wrestling. I think we need to have a yeah. big roundtable show. Have a big roundtable <laughs> show over there sometime. Have Chocolaire over and on that just show. Talk wrestling. Donnie on there. Absolutely. And just that's all we do is just talk wrestling I as we get it. closer to WrestleMania. Absolutely. For sure. This for sure. Cool. We'll do a live broadcast. On WrestleMania, let's do that. Let's let's just yeah. go with that. Actually, what I was trying to do too is that that free play, because my birthday is mm. on the twenty seventh of March. I think WrestleMania is wow. on the April fourth. So because I have the, I don't know the Sportsnet Plus, so I haven't subscribed to it. I could just subscribe it to all the TVs there. Have it during at evening time. I uh, come watch, uh, come watch WrestleMania with Shaqley on his birthday type thing. And, oh my God! And they have the, all the old school games there and everything like that, and all this other stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I have to talk to the guy about it, but yeah, just I don't know. I have to figure out the legalities if I could just go and put my Sportsnet Plus on all his TVs and everybody can just watch it off my. Subscription. I don't think he can, but we'll figure something out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure something out that's that's not going to get the party shut down. But you know what? If this party's happening, we're going to be there. Shaqlair, yeah. um, listen, man, you've been wicked with your time. It's been so much fun. Let's not wait four years to do this again, okay? This Absolutely. is, uh, you know, you're a lot of fun to 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 kick it with. Um, and uh, listen, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to see what you're up to, where should they look you up online? Uh, online, you can look me up at uh, Shockler Official for Instagram, Shockler Chisnak on Facebook, uh, Shockler on Facebook, and Shockler on Twitter, and Shockler Official. Shockler on youtube to check out all the stuff that we post up and um yeah and i yeah i'm very interactive so uh, hit me up see what i'm up to i might be in a city near you real soon it is very interactive like i get responses more more often from santa than i do from maestro but shocks gets back at me <laughs> <laughs> santa hey he's a, good, he's a nice guy <laughs> Yeah, Santa gets at me. He'd be like, well, what can I do for you? And and Maestro just leaves me on red. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, listen, thank you so much, bro. And uh, we'll talk soon, okay? All right, guys. Yo, you guys have a great one. Thanks for having me on and everybody out there. One love, one love. See you soon. Wrestling. Check for there it. There he goes. It's the Naka, the Chisraka. That is Shaclair, everybody. Notorious TID, Chris Tidwell. Anything you want to throw out there before we wrap this bitch up? No, it's been a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic night. And I just, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this WrestleMania thing. I'm hyped again. I'm hyped oh, about it all God, over. Yeah. Again, right? It's like for years, it's for years. You had to be a wrestling fan on the down low because yeah. it was so bad. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, it's fun again. Listen, I'm telling you, we do this round table thing. We have him on there. It'll be a lot of fun. We should do it. All right. Um, you can check out everything Tid is up to on YouTube over at Tid, Tid Talk or check out Live Audio Wrestling. Uh, you can also check out uh, the segment I'm doing for him called Truth Bombs, where I just talk shit for a couple minutes about wrestling. Um, and uh, yeah, if you uh, want to have your say, email us, info at godfathersofpodcasting.com. Follow us on socials at godfathersofpodcasting. You can follow us independently uh at notorious tid on everything 
I'm at Donnie De Silva. So, you know, you find us. We're out there. Just come look us up, okay? Google it. Yeah, and probably got a MySpace still. Find me on MySpace, motherfucker. Please. That's Tid. I'm Donnie. We'll see you next time.